Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Old Roy is here. Old Roy, did you even know that Nikki Haley had announced that she's running for president? I was not aware that she made it a formal announcement, but it's kind of been assumed for a long yeah, time. Yeah, she's been dragging out the yeah. she's going to announce for quite a while. Uh, I would say rather unimpressive. The ad, I'm not going to play it, but she said in it, you know, that she's a uh, very, very much highlighted the woman and woman of color aspect, which. In general, for a Republican primary, I think actually does well for her, but it's not something that makes me go, ooh, <laughs> I care much more about your identity politics than your policies. Yeah. And it, I didn't even know she was a color. What, what is, what's her? She was a color. <laughs> yeah. What's her background? Indian. Oh, like Middle Eastern type or Native American Indian? No, Which one? no. Um, Indian from India. Okay. I think her father was Sikh, if you, if I pronounce that right, had, okay. had the head uh, garment. And the, the, that's part of the ad, is that she, she shows family pictures of when she was growing up and her family is very Indian. And uh, so, I, I don't know, Nikki Haley is somebody who I've said before, to me, and again, this is policy. I care much more. Well, I, I care only about the identity thing if it helps a Republican win. Otherwise, I don't care. If, if it's part of winning, that's to me what matters because I want a Republican to win. But yeah, go yeah. ahead. No, go ahead. No, you're, you're, a, you're, your wheels big, are turning. There's a big but there because... Big but. There is a big but. Um, there's a lot of reasons politically that I'm not a fan of Nikki Haley. Um, this makes me like her less. Because it's obviously a pandering. It's obviously trying to play in, which you kind of hit on. The identity politics is not a Republican, you know. It's not part of the platform. It's not part of of the goal. Why are you highlighting that? You've got to win over an awful lot of conservatives before you even think about a, a general election. Um. And that's not the way to do it. And so to play, you, I mean, Nikki Haley, you can't get an, a more American name than that. So just to say, oh, hey, I'm Nikki Haley and I'm Indian. You know, if, you, if you're, it just seems really just unnecessary and out of the blue. And that, that yeah. just makes me like her even less. Well, and Democrats have hit her that when she originally, something about when she originally filed for office, she checked white on her race mm-hmm. and then went back and changed it when I guess it became convenient. Yeah. And 
So, you know, I, that kind of stuff, I can't say it bothers me. It's just, I don't want that to be a part of the conversation. Right. I want to actually judge people by their character. And if, if part of their character development was, well, there was a racial component because society treated me a certain way. Well, okay, but I really hope that we've gotten past that. If, in fact, I'm watching movies right now from the mid-2000s and Barack Obama's tenure even into his presidency. Mm-hmm. It was like people stopped caring about that for a little while. Yeah. And I don't know what changed. It had to have been 2016 is yeah. when that changed all of a sudden. But it became a thing again, and it came back hard. You saw people in that era wearing blackface on Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. and Jimmy Kimmel doing it and yeah. stuff that now you that is almost a, a disqualifier out of the gate. Oh, yeah. Unless you're liberal, then you can get away with it. Right. But it almost even for liberals is... is so there, it's weird that there was this time when it was like we had kind of gotten past a lot of that stuff and then, oh, wait, there's power in it. Donald mm-hmm. Trump is uh, is bad. Let's resurrect all these things, and we're dealing with it again. When we didn't have to, it was like we were getting past it. And maybe that's when Nikki Haley was filing was during that era when it we had gotten past it. I don't know, but <clears throat> all that to say that before, if I, if I were to put Nikki Haley's policy positions, just policies up on a board, I probably wouldn't disagree with many of them. You could probably find something somewhere that somebody's going to go, oh, well, she believes in this, and and I don't, or you, you typically don't. Fine, that, that's fine. You're probably right. But for the most part, you know, she's got a solid conservative credential going into this. She's just done things and said things concerning January 6th and some yep. of that stuff that makes me go, you, you're, not, you're not the fighter against the establishment that I need now. No, she's complete establishment. And and I think her the things these she said in the past, some of it, yeah, she's right on the money for probably the majority of conservatives. But then she follows it up with something completely off the wall that that makes me think she doesn't have she's gonna say whatever she needs to say mm-hmm. to to get what she wants out of, you know, an elected position or whatever. And, and not in a, I don't think in a, um, you know, a, an evil way or anything like that. No, she I don't just, either. She's just a politician. She's an establishment person. It's the problem with her being in isn't that she's a bad person or she would enact terrible policies. It's that she has, I don't see in her a solid, um, core belief system it's she's she's a a political figure and she will do what politicians do i don't see that in her i i see her as having a solid traditional conservative belief system that she won't waver from which is good but i just don't see that she would get into office and then go all right here's what we're going to do now I'm going to tear out the upper echelons of the FBI, the CIA, and the DOJ. No, she would never do that. Stuff that needs to happen. I'm going to eliminate the Department of Education, you know. Stuff that needs to happen because, as we've seen, I mean, the spy balloon. I talked about this last week. The spy balloon thing, if anything, it showed that our own government was working against Donald Trump. 
Because it came out, well, this happened under Trump too, but he didn't know about it. And none of the circle knew about it. Mike Pompeo, Mike Bolton, all those guys, none of them knew about it. Well, why didn't they know about it? Well, because nobody told them. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, The intelligence agencies that knew about it deliberately didn't tell any of them. They were working against the administration. Mm-hmm. These people need to be removed and completely gutted and replaced, and replaced probably with less of them. Yeah, or even decentralize it. Like have have the FBI office in St. Louis be the one in St. Louis, and then have the FBI in different parts of the country operating independently that they talk to each other and not out of Washington D.C. Yeah. Just get some of this stuff out of Washington D.C. and it would help. Yeah. Anyway, all that to say that I really believe that Nikki Haley. Her heart's in the right spot. She just doesn't see, and there's a lot of conservatives like this who I like, but they don't seem to understand the depth of the corruption of government and how badly it needs to be rooted out. And she seems like that to me. And there's a lot of people going to be getting getting in this race that that's going to be their number one problem for me. Yeah, it could be that that they just they don't see it as corruption. That's just part of the game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is a problem. Right. At this point. Yeah, I agree. Um, not This isn't a conspiracy theory. It's more of a political theory because mm-hmm. I think there is some actual truth possible to this. But because I don't know for sure, it's still a theory. Yeah. There have been people kicking around the fact that Nikki Haley may be getting in this race with Trump's blessing to raise her profile before he picks her as vice president. And there's reasons for that. One of them that hasn't been cited, but to me is one of the most uh, you know, realistic reasons for this, is that they did meet several months ago at length. Hmm. And there was no reason for the meeting at the time. Neither one of them had announced. Um, she, she was still kind of like, what is she going to do with her political future? And they met. And... I don't know. It was a it was a weird meeting because it was re, it was not reported on widely, mm-hmm. but it was reported on enough because it was such a strange meeting. You know that obviously he talks to people. Everybody's talking to each other, but it was like they had a sit down over the span of like a weekend. They they like spent time together, and nobody knows really why. Nobody said why they did, and I think that lends to the theory that. Maybe he does like her. I mean, she served in his administration. She did a mm-hmm. great job as UN ambassador. Yeah. <clears throat> um, that um, he would maybe pick her as a VP and say, hey, why don't you run? Get everybody looking at you again, talking about you. And then when you don't garner enough support because she won't, right? Um, then you drop out and then I Kamala Harris you, you know? Mm-hmm. I really could see that happening. <clears throat> That's actually a really good theory. I hadn't thought of that, but it makes it makes a lot of sense. That's kind of the typical way you do it. Mm-hmm. You go in knowing you're running for vice president, mm-hmm. but you join the race so that you get your name out there. And I got to say, and we'll break on this because I want to come back and talk about this. I like, if that's true, I like that Trump's thinking that far ahead mm-hmm. because Nikki Haley would soften Trump's image a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, not that she's not tough. She is tough. She can handle herself. Um, but if she's out there telling everybody, I know Donald Trump, I served under Donald Trump, he knows what he's doing. I think that carries a little bit of weight. Yeah. And I, I could really see that happening. And if Donald Trump is thinking strategically, then I want to share with you, uh, we'll take a short break and, and I want to talk about something else, but then we'll come back with old Roy. 
and talk about a strategy that Trump has released that he's going to be doing this week that, to me, seems like such a no-brainer that every Republican would have to be doing this now. And he has already said he's doing it, which means the grassroots is going to get behind it, which is all good. So let's break there. We'll come back and we'll talk about that in just a Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. So this is uh, fun. <laughs> I'm having fun. Aren't you having fun? We're all having fun together. What is the likelihood of an apocalypse like the one in the show, The Last of Us? I haven't seen The Last of Us. It's on HBO Max. Everybody's talking about it. If you have HBO Max, I'm sure you've seen it. It's funny, those shows are the streamers. They pretty much have one, maybe two big shows at a time. So it's almost like network TV, especially when they drag the shows out over weeks. They don't really have to do that anymore. But uh, I kind of like when they do that. It gives you a little bit more anticipation. So I've got Peacock and a couple of the other ones. And I, tr- I, I cycle through them where I'll only have one or two at a time, kind of consume everything that they've made in the last year, and then cancel it and move to somebody else. So I don't have HBO Max right now, and I haven't seen The Last of Us, but it's right down the center lane of where I like stuff to be, which is last person on Earth movies. I love that concept, or at least depopulated Earth, where you have... Everything you'd ever need, but nobody around to really use it with you. I love that idea. And so I've got different criteria for my list, and we'll get to that in a second, about criteria A is you're, you're the last person on earth, or you think you might be, or the audience thinks you are. Criteria B is that you're the last living human, or you think you are, or the audience thinks you are. But you don't have to necessarily be on earth. You could be, you know, in space somewhere. Or... Criteria C, which is very different than both of those, where it is a, it's an environment that should have a lot of people, but there are none, and you don't know why. Mysterious circumstances are involved. So I don't really know if Last of Us hits that. It does. I mean, the the title would suggest that it does. It's a zombie genre, and it's it's bringing up some questions. Doctor Cameron Carlson. 
of the Zombie Research Society. <laughs> you just make up anything you want. You know, I didn't. If I didn't have Wiggins America, if there was no show, I could just say Ryan Wiggins of Wiggins America, and it would give me credentials based on nothing. But I actually do have a show, so I can say that. Doctor Carlson, or Cameron Carlson, of the Zombie Research Society, he's a doctor. <laughs> told Odyssey's Something Offbeat podcast that one of the greatest zombie risks may be hiding in your litter box. Now, if you've already heard this, then you know. But if you haven't, listen to this. Toxoplasmosis is an infection caused by the parasite called Toxoplasma gondil. can cause zombie-like symptoms. A study in parasitology, in the Journal of Parasitology, I guess, has also found that it is known to induce specific behavioral changes in its intermediate hosts. And they link this all back to cats and cat poop. Toxoplasmosis is actually carried in the feces of infected felines. So what does that mean for us? Well, that means that we can contract it through cat feces. If someone has a cat, we can also contract toxoplasmosis through eating uncooked, contaminated and undercooked meat. According to research published in the communication something biology journal in 2011, the fungus that comes from cat poop manipulates and kills ants. Another study published in the Nature Journal in 2020 explained that these ant victims behave like zombies. Have you ever seen pictures of these ants? This fungus gets inside and it basically eats them out from the inside. It doesn't do that to humans, but it does affect our brains if we get this thing. And it's really hard to detect and very, very difficult to get rid of. So it makes these bugs just have convulsions and it kind of takes them over and shows them what the virus or the, the fungus itself wants them to do, and they become sort of a slave to it. Fortunately, Carlson said that we shouldn't worry about a zombie ant fungus outbreak. Probably. He says, quote, I tell everybody the motto of the society is, what you don't know can eat you. And it's true. I don't know how exactly that means we shouldn't worry. Seems like the exact opposite. Dr. Carlson. The last. Where is everybody? The last. The last. It's not the end of the world. It's all the time I need and all the time I want. The last person on earth. I miss the noise, you know? I thought I was going to be alone again. There's time now. As you know, if you listen to Wiggins America for any extended period of time, I am consumed with last person on earth film and TV. And I keep an extensive list that I've been doing for over a decade now, I do believe, or close to it, of every movie and TV show ever made that has either the criteria A, B, or C that I mentioned at the beginning of this segment. This movie, I looked to try to find one that was the most similar to Last of Us or the cat poop fungus that would cause a zombie outbreak in the same way as that show portrays. And I found this one from Virus, 1980 movie called Virus. It's tough to say it's good because it feels like a 70s miniseries about a pandemic that does kill almost all of humankind. However, concerning my three criteria, it barely only hits criteria C, which is the so-called empty city scenario. With two dudes who scavenge the White House which is pretty impressive for 1980 before green screens and stuff. 
It's a weak scene, but the exterior is kind of cool. They walk up to the White House, and it's all, you know, it's all vined up and old looking. I don't know how they did that back then. And then right at the end, we see a cabin full of people, so I don't want to give away too much, who might be the only survivors left in the whole world in this movie. It's unclear, so we don't know for sure if they're all in there. But there aren't many of them. They're all huddled together. Not a great movie. It does kind of hit the criteria, so it's a, it's, a, it's a two out of five stars for Last Person on Earth criteria. And then it's only like a 2.5 out of five stars for just general entertainment value. So right down the middle of, eh, if you want to watch it, fine. If you love this genre, then you go ahead and add that to your list and enjoy. All right, Old Roy is back, and I tease the fact that we're going to talk about the strategy that Trump is implementing. Do you still see him as the front runner right now? I do. Even with a DeSantis? I do. I think from from a, a political perspective, I think um, a lot of conservatives are probably leaning towards we need DeSantis because he's not Trump. Mm-hmm. But from a grassroots level, I think from a voter standpoint, Trump's still the guy to beat. And I've been watching polling on this, and it's it's very interesting right now. They everybody's talking about the different strategies that they that could be happening, and one of those is that you're going to have support for Trump at about thirty five to forty percent, regardless. Yeah, and it may not get a lot higher than that, but it's definitely not going to get lower than that. So that would mean uh, DeSantis or anybody else would have to garner probably about 45% to 50% to be sure that they could get the nomination across each state. Well, if you have other people still in the race, and there's going to be a lot of people in this race, I see Tim Scott's going to announce... Uh, Michael Bolton, Michael Bolton, Mike Bolton, (laughs) (laughs) Mike, I still said it, John Bolton, uh, (laughs) I think has announced, I don't even know if it's formal or what, like anyway, he's going to vote for John Bolton, Um, Mike Pompeo, which is why I kept saying Mike, and Nikki Haley, just to name a few, and there's there's a few others too, there's some real rich billionaires who've looked like they're going to toss their name in probably just to get the name recognition, Right. Um, none of them probably will garner more than a few percentage points. But let's say Mike Pompeo and Mike Pence, you even mentioned him, uh, and a few of these other people can pick off 3-4%, and you get a Herman Cain in there who's like, I got this radical plan for yeah. changing everything. And you get you know the libertarian vote that jumps on some random guy or something. You know? right. Well, it only takes a few percent to reduce a DeSantis then to not being able to overcome the 35 to 40 of Trump and so I don't know if that that ends up being his his demise, just like before, where it's just the, the anti-Trump vote just gets fractured. But it does seem to me like everybody knows that now about 2016. And so they would go in going, well, if we don't want Trump, I'm not going to vote for anybody else other than DeSantis, and that he would be able to carry that. I don't know. I don't know either. I think it, it might be the kind of scenario with what you're describing I don't know if you remember when when John Kerry ran, or Mike mm-hmm. Kerry to you probably. <laughs> yeah, um, Mike Kerry. He, he sort of ran for Chip second. Kerry. He ran for second place. Yeah, in the primary. Um, I think initially he thought he'd win it because he was entitled well, he, to he it. He did get it. He, he ran did against... get it, but but it, at the beginning he wasn't the front runner. Mm-hmm. It was uh, what's his name, the L. 
Yeah, the, the donkey yell guy, yeah. whatever his name was. <laughs> can't remember his name. <clears throat> Mike, probably. It was probably Mike. Um, yeah, so he he found his niche as, I'm going to be the second place guy because then all of the attention's not on me. And it gives you a, a break or at least a respite from the full force of the opposition attacks. Mm-hmm. And then kind of at the last minute, the, the, the yeller dies off, and then he's he's the guy that's left. Yeah. And I would think DeSantis might want to look at it that way. Rather than try to beat Trump head on, is if if I was, you know, advising him, I would probably say run for, for the second place, let Trump shoot himself in the foot, and then you're the one left standing. Well, that all feeds into my Nikki Haley is actually running for vice president mm-hmm. theory that people who run this early, Trump aside, I think he wanted to get in early because there was a lot of benefit to him with fundraising and just announce, and getting his name back out there. Mm-hmm. And he can't wait. He's, you know, he's yeah. just going to do it. But I think Nikki Haley is running so early because she's going to peak early, drop out early, endorse Trump, maybe get on that ticket. Yeah. Whereas DeSantis will do the exact opposite of what you were just saying. He'll wait to the absolute last minute. Yeah. And then, uh-oh, here's the opposition. He comes mm-hmm. out with his cape and his robe. Yeah. And he's going to save the day from Donald Trump, and then everybody coalesces around him. I could see that. Yeah. To this strategy that I was talking about with Trump, he has said this week that he is going to fully embrace ballot harvesting. Across saw, the country. I saw that headline. Did you? Yeah. Um, I, good move, bad move? I, do you take it seriously? Is it is it Trump just trying to draw attention to something that most of us know was corrupt and had a negative impact and nobody's talking about it on the other side? So maybe he's going to bring it up sarcastically. In order to bring attention to it, I I take him a hundred percent seriously on this. Mm. I think that he knows that the way that he was beaten was through election changes, and he's going to say cheating. Um, but I think the election, the changes to laws, are part of that. And those those changes, some of them have been rolled back since the end of COVID, if you want to call it that. Excuse me, but. Um, some of them have not, you know, some of the ways that we vote have, have been permanently changed now, mm-hmm. especially with early voting and especially with ballot harvesting. Now, ballot harvesting isn't all, isn't illegal exclusively. Now it's illegal in certain places and certain states and the way you do it, mm-hmm. but it is fully legal in a lot of ways in a lot of places. And it just means that you're going out and getting votes away from the ballot box. You know, you're, you're harvesting from the field rather than at the polling place. And doing that early and doing it as much as you possibly can is, according to strategists, the way that Democrats won or at least minimized their damage in the midterms and still held the Senate. Mm-hmm. So I think he's very, very serious. And I think it's for two reasons. One is that Republicans are going to have to play by those rules if they're going to win. And he knows that. And so he's got to get ahead of it now and start it now. Um, but second is that if he says it, a lot of times Democrats just fight it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so if he's for it, they're against it. Yeah. And yeah. so if he says it now, maybe Democrats 
or people on the fence start to look at it and go, well, maybe that's not the way we're going to, we should do this in the future. You know, I mean, he's, I think he's playing a little chess with that and it's odd with him because sometimes you think he's, he's strategizing beyond what you could possibly imagine. And other times you think he just woke up, jumped in the bathtub and started tweeting. Yeah. And you don't know, you just don't know. Um, But I think this is one of those that he does know and he's very serious about winning and so he thinks this is how I'm going to have to do it to win. I could see it. I could see either way. You, you bring up a good point because it's very much in his character um, that winning is yeah important. And and he's talked but when they tried to hit him in previous, even before 2016 when he he tried to run before they they hit him with the bankruptcy thing. Well, you you know you've had all these bankruptcies. He's like. That's part of the game, you mm-hmm. know. It's it's legal. It's an option available to me. I'm a businessman. I can sit down and pout about it, or I can take advantage of these loopholes and rebuild. Yeah. So that's very much in how how he looks at approaching things and winning things. Is all right. Well, if this is one of the things available to me, why I'd be stupid not to use it. Mm-hmm. Well, um, old Roy, we're going to break. And uh, I'm, I'm going to tease something that next week, so we're going to, once we get done with the show today, I'm going to have you record something for next week. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> I won't say exactly what that is, but you may want to go back and listen to the podcast and listen to Pretzels for Pups and Coats for Cats. Okay. And get a preview of what Roy is going to bring to the table next week, since we are going to do that after the show today. All right, so we'll take a break and be right back. Wiggins America, this is the last segment of the show for this weekend, this long President's Day weekend. Happy President's Day to you. Um, I do want to play a little bit of a clip from Trent Luce. He's been on the show several times, but I interviewed him Friday on the Annie Fry Show. It's an update to what's going on with the eggs. This dude is a sixth-generation rancher. He's also a well-known advocate for farms and ranches throughout the entire Midwest and Great Plains states. He's very close to what's going on all the time. So I wanted to ask, what's up with the feed? What's what's going on in, in general with the egg market? No, actually the next step is the, uh, the challenge in even finding eggs, no matter what the cost. There's going to be a limit on the, the amount of eggs you can find. And that's that's sad because I talk to people around the world every day. The U.K. has got a more severe problem than we do. Australia is developing the same problem. If you have a a local farm or you know somebody that you want to partner with or you want to put some backyard chickens in, now's the time to do it. Well, Well, now, is this because of the avian flu, which you predicted back in the fall, or is this does this have to do with the feed? Is it double? Which one is it? It is C, all of the above. We've had too many laws put in place. Uh, uh, question three in Massachusetts. Uh, Colorado just put in place a law that says the chickens cannot be in a cage. California's had this law in effect since 2015. We have bad policies for food. We have, we've had attacks on the food system. We've had over 100 food plants that have had just mysterious fires kind of like a mysterious train crash in East Palestine, Ohio, on February the 6th. There's just too many things happening to disrupt the food supply, and eggs are the target right now. I happen to believe that they're the target because they are the most nutritious, 
most economical protein and antioxidant one can consume. Do you, can you tell us any more? Because what I really want to know is about the feed. We talked about this a couple weeks ago when it, that's, I would say that story was kind of breaking and it really never broke all the way through. But we were talking about it here, about uh, even local farmers, people chiming in on our chat here on the Annie Fry Show YouTube page, that their chickens had done the same thing over the winter. That you said, you know, normally there is a dip in production of eggs over the winter, but they had just completely stopped laying. And when they switched to goat feed or a different feed, it was fixing it. So my question is, and I, I really don't know who to ask other than you, is this all one company's feed that has the problem, or is this feed across the board? It's not feed across the board, because uh, on my own radio programs for about five days in a row, I continued to see on the Internet, and it's funny you mentioned goat feed, because that is the example that's used every time. I stopped using my chicken feed, and I started using goat feed, and the chickens are laying great. So nobody that I knew personally had any chickens that stopped laying. Everybody I knew, the chickens were laying. Our chickens were laying above normal, actually. Uh, I have other people in my area that are above normal. I have people I know in every state. They're all above normal. So I said, I want to hear from people that I, don't tell me what you read on the Internet. I want to know. And, and Ryan, I'll tell you that in the last three weeks, I've had about six people who got a hold of me and said their chickens are not laying like they should be. And I asked them what their feed source is, and it, it seems as though they all are using a chicken feed source that would not be far from where you're sitting right now. Okay, so it is it is one company probably had bad feed for this season. That's, well, that's a great point because we know that in the eastern half of the United States, the corn crop had a tremendous high level of apple toxins and different bacterias and mycotoxins that do cause reproductive failures. And so that is a very valid point and concern that's something that should be followed up on. But here's the other part of that. Uh, any reputable company is testing for mycotoxins before they actually make a, a bag of feed. They don't make a bag. They make a ton. They make several ton and then bag the feed. It, it's not in, within protocol not to do a mycotoxin test on feed before it's manufactured. Trent, before we run out of time with you because we're right up against the clock here, I got, I got about two minutes I want to catch up with you on one other topic that we have discussed before, and that is China owning farmland, especially in the United States. It seems like there's been a lot of movement on this topic that many states have banned ownership. I want to know what you, as a sixth-generation farmer, man who's close to many, many ranchers and farmers throughout the entire Midwest especially, what do you think of these laws? Are we moving in the right direction, or are they really going to accomplish what they're setting out to do? They're not going to accomplish what they're setting out to do. They're going to limit the opportunity for people in the United States that currently own property. The state of Oklahoma put in place the first ban on Chinese ownership. The people in China have been going around that law. And what people need to recognize is that already China has had an investment in American food systems and agriculture. In fact, one in every three pounds of pork in your grocery store is owned by Smithfield Foods, who is owned by WH Group, since 2013, 
and WH Group is based in Hong Kong. It's a Chinese company. We've got Chinese been buying our resources left and right. I don't have the answer, but I do know that we cannot limit American ingenuity and American property rights by trying to put in place a law to limit China, that they're just going to find a loophole around anyway. So it's not even really a legislative problem that can be fixed. It's, it's not something that a law can fix. I need to put a preface on that, and I know we're short on time. I don't think anything is fixed with legislation. I think a legislator's state in Jeff City and in Washington, D.C. should meet every five years, not every year. We'd have fewer problems. But we've got to fix these things in-house, not rely on legislation. Legislation does not provide solutions. Trent, I really always appreciate your perspective. It's one of the reasons I love having you on live whenever I get to host the Annie Fry Show and catching up on things. So your website is loosetailsmedia.com. The podcast is Loose Tales if you want to catch up with Trent. Thank you for your time today. I'm looking for more than a quarter next time, Ryan. More than a quarter of a quarter of the year. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll try to have you back before <laughs> you know the end of the next quarter. I think we'll try to set an appointment. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks, Trent. Wow, that's amazing. Wiggins America. That is amazing. And yes, you can get the podcast at 971talk.com. You can just type in Wiggins America, actually, and it'll come up. Or you can rewind on the Odyssey app. Encourage you to do that if you missed any of the show, including that interview there. It was a part of it with Trent Luce, uh, who is a farmer and ranch advocate. He knows exactly what's going on. The Dude Knows. It's one of the reasons we have him on. The Dude Abides. Thanks for being here this weekend. Again, all the places you can get the show, you can rewind on the Odyssey app, and we will see you next week. Get more at 971talk.com. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.